Welcome to the PTMA podcast, another edition slash episode of the live Q&A check-ins from the group program. So the guys are halfway through now. Um, We've just gone through a week of onboarding prospects, onboarding clients, non-negotiables from an operational standpoint, non-negotiables from a a service delivery. So the guys are are really kind of building out, designing their their service now after being heavily on two weeks on marketing. So a lot of really cool questions, a load of questions again this week, which has been awesome. Pop them into the show notes. Um, Guys, give us a shout if you have anything you want us to discuss. We're thinking about doing like shorter topic-based episodes over the coming weeks. So anything you want us to kind of give you short, sharp snippets on, let us know. And if you find this helps, please feel free to share this with like-minded people who who you think might benefit from it. Enjoy, guys. Uh, Oh, action. Cameras. Action. Lights, camera, action. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Right. Here we go. Here we go. Right. I'll ask the first one. With most clients being online coaching, Mm -hmm. seven day WhatsApp support, how do you go about holiday protocol with them? How does it work? Would you extend their program to match the time that you're away if you're not able to contact? If they're not able to contact you while you're away, or what would you do? I really don't know how to. I really don't know how to play this. Who's going? I ask the question, you answer. Oh, we've got the system back up, where? Oh, okay. we just had it. So you didn't. You just did your own bloody thing as usual. You got carried away with yourself. Um, okay, so answer to the question is that you just let the guys know that you're going away for the week and you're shutting off communication. Um, and because you're having a bit of a week away, I'm sure they'll understand. They understand they'll all want a week away from work at some point and they'll completely know that to make sure that everything's set up um, in the process of that. Is, this is where, in my opinion, WhatsApp groups aren't as great as Facebook groups because in Facebook groups, I could automate, sorry, I could schedule some posting um, that keeps them engaged, keeps them accountable. You can't really do that in your WhatsApp group. Um, So my advice to anyone and yourself is for long-term success, I would try and transfer the WhatsApp into a Facebook group um, for things like this. I know WhatsApp groups are great, by the way. Um, They're really, really good to keep contact and communicate um with the group quite easily they're on it all day you're on it all day that type of stuff but if we're going to look at helping you with a service and a business then this is when it can kind of do you in slightly or instead of that you could just turn around and say i'm having a week off at this week giving them a month's notice um and that you put like a new version of a checking in for that week where they start to solve their own problems and give themselves feedback and work off the back of it. So there's many things that you can do, but just completely take a week away with good notice. Anything you'd add? No, I'd agree on the Facebook group. Um, definitely agree on the Facebook group. Um, but, 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 but. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's almost maybe setting a bit of a challenge for that group. If you're not going to do the Facebook group on the, setting a challenge to that WhatsApp, using the clients to support each other, um, using that group to keep themselves accountable rather than being accountable to you. So, um, so yeah, but ultimately, future-proofing your business in that way, you can either accommodate for the payment in the way you take it up front or, yeah, Facebook group automate. Next question, looking to get some daytime slots filled with clients or classes. I know this isn't a busy time for everyone, but what would like to market it? Do you have any advice? 
Oh, wait a minute. I've skipped a question, Anna. Sorry. But go on, answer that one. Okay. Um, yeah, market and do lead generation in the times you want to fill. So it would, for example, if it's 9 to 11, either be on the gym floor or um, think about the market that would be available around those times as well. Um, as an example, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m., you're probably talking um, probably mums after they drop the kids off at school, coming into the gym, available to work out. Um, that's a peak time for that demographic, commercial gyms, et cetera. So I work the, those hours to accrue those clients. So, for example, doing lead generation on the gym floor to engage with those people and the whole marketing funnel system campaign that we would have gone through a couple of weeks ago. You missed one? I know I did. You asked me that one then. How would you recommend about speaking to clients that paused the gym at the beginning, beginning of lockdown but chose not to continue and potentially ex-clients as well? Um, okay, so essentially just re-communicating back to people who have just downed tools for the time that they've been up. Obviously, the gyms have been shut, which I think that's going to be a good question for a lot of PTs because you're going to need some elements of structure. Um, I think, first of all, be generally aware that their situation, their mindset might have changed completely. Um, for the good or for the bad, I don't know, but you're going to have to open up lines of communication. So I'd maybe touch base with them individually. So send them an email, send them a message or get to booking a call and just have a really laid back chat. How's things gone? How are you feeling? Have you managed to do any type of exercise and stuff like that going forward? What do you see yourself doing if the gyms come back open? Uh, when the gyms come back open, should I say? So have a really laid back conversation, get a bit of a vibe, have a really, yeah, like a just a chat, get a bit of a vibe for where they're at and then if you feel that that leads to right let's get booked back in for a bit of a pre-consult or a consult then a million percent go about that um as you would do normally so yeah reach out personal level you're not going to know until like what's the worst that can happen they can absolutely ignore you who gives a who gives a shit um so yeah reach out see how they are first see what support they need um, potentially, and then get them booked in for a pre-consult or consult. Anything else you'd add, Nick? Nada. Next question. Okay, long one. You ready? I want to run a six-week group-based challenge following my 14-day challenge. Not sure what this looks like. Would it just be an extension of the 14-day challenge plus training program and more in-depth check-ins? Or if you could give me an example of what a six-week challenge entails, that would be awesome. Just me overthinking online coaching again, I'm sure. Yeah, mate, you can go a few different ways with this. Um, uh, firstly, yes, it, it can be. And I think it's an organic development from what you've done in the 14 days. So whatever you've done in the 14 days, made that an extension of it. But, and yes, in regards to, so they've done the 14 day challenge, obviously you're charging for this now and you're charging a lot more for this now. So that's got to reflect in the service you provide people from more in-depth check-ins to more personalized uh, programming. Maybe you have a few different levels for people in gym, outside of gym, um, which obviously you can appropriately appoint down to through the consultation phase at the end of your 14 days. Um, nutrition side of things, you could do an educational series included in that over the six weeks. So kind of breaking down similar to kind of what we do in regards to maybe putting in a webinar or a, or a live Q and A or a, or a certain topic each week for them to focus on and that building it up 
over the six weeks. Um, so yeah, I mean, I hate to say this, but it, it largely depends on the people who are in your group, the demographic you're trying to help. Um, but yeah, it becomes more personalized. You, they get a lot more, um, you show up a lot more. Um, so yeah, I think hopefully that helps, mate. Yes, more in-depth check-ins, um, maybe a big goal-setting session at the, at the start. Um, you know, your series of educational videos, like all of the above can kind of go into that. Uh, but I think, first of all, might, what might be a good thing to start with is the end point. So what does he, what do you want this six-week um, challenge or group or program to give people and to do for people and then work backwards off that? Hopefully that's helped. I need to plan content better for social. And now that I'm running a group, want to make sure I'm so up enough on both. I'm up enough on both. I normally do it one in one go, but feel like splitting down on two days will better, less overwhelm and, and, and be more manageable. From that, what are your main things to consider for this? Sorry, that was hard to read. Okay, so listen, nobody can tell you what the best system is for you for your social media content. Like, it's a really difficult question to answer because my system won't suit the majority of people. Your system might not suit the rest of people. So I think the best advice I could give to you um, is, first of all, try not to overthink it. Because as soon as you overthink it, you start to kind of stall you from, so from taking action. So try not to overthink it too much. Um, if you're coming up with content for your clients and the challenge or the clients group, and then you're coming up with content for marketing, in my opinion, they go hand in hand in more, more in a roundabout way, right? So I find, I find out what my clients are struggling with within my group, within speaking to my clients, right? Off the back of that, I create content to support them and help them. And then within my marketing, I start to maybe briefly go over some of the points that I've just gone through uh, with my clients. So I now know that my content is landing A to my clients and B to my audience because they have similar struggles. So all I would say is that you're more or less going about things in the roundabout way. The different thing, the difference that will be is you'll be sticking a call to action on your marketing, whereas you won't do with your clients. I'm not saying mirror the content. I'm saying more or less use similar stuff that you've got there, but just change it up slightly, deliver it slightly different essentially you're more or less doing the same things um like if it, another example of this is i'm not going to go into it too much is if you're building an onboarding series for your clients uh, for videos and stuff like that if i'm doing a guide to my fitness pal if i'm doing a guide to i don't know how they're going to feel after their first session um what they struggle with from it what the frequently asked questions via nutrition that's all content that i can go and use then in in a roundabout way in my marketing um to bring people into my business so just be really smart with it, is what I would say. Next question. How do you manage coming out? Oh, this is a really good question. Um, how do you manage coming back out of lockdown? Some people want to do Zoom. Some people want to do outside when available. I'm worried like last time I'll be doing Zoom, gym, and doing going to people's houses because they are afraid to go back to the gym. I can't suit everyone. It's such a melt. It's a really good question, that is. Okay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think you've really got to have a think, first of all, what, what time you have available to do all of this. That's the first thing. So um, if you think back to the capacity of your workload in regards to delivering Zoom sessions, delivering face-to-face -face in the gym, um, being able to go to people's houses and do it, um, I agree. You can't you can't please and sue everybody. Um, 
So I'll just double down on maybe a couple of things that you know you can deliver and present that to, to the clients. For example, if people, if people, I mean, let's look at the most time, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The service that kind of consumes the most time there, which is probably going to people's houses, travel to and from, travel, travel in between, set up kit, all that kind of stuff where naturally we can turn on a Zoom session for them in that scenario. So that's definitely something I would be positioning for people rather than rather than kind of traveling around, going to people's houses. And if they're afraid to, to return to the gym, then that's probably going to be a safer option and make them all feel a bit more comfortable anyway in the short term. And this is a short term thing, isn't it? Um, so that's the first thing. Um, I would also really have a, a think about how you are setting up your week from, right, these are my gym time slots, these are my Zoom slots. So you've got adequate break in between so that you're not running off the gym floor into a consult room and trying to do it and set up. So I'd just be really, really clever and very... Um, get very strict on your boundaries of your time of delivery from both a Zoom perspective and a in-gym face-to-face perspective as well. Um, try and meet the clients where they're at, but you can't be dictated by your clients. Anything to add? No. No, no, no. It's got to be dialed into your plan, hasn't it, at the end of the day? Next question. Hey. What? Planning out my online coaching as a group intake. Any advice on delivering this and logistics as I have no experience, e.g. onboarding, window length, length of time. They'd still have individual trackers, programs, check-ins, etc., but use the Facebook group for weekly modules and form check-ins. Thanks. Um, so... I'm going to try and keep this simple because I could talk about it all day because I've done this, we've done, we've done this, should I say, on a really large scale to thousands of people. And we've done it on a smaller Peter scale to, to this number of people within the group. Um, I think having a four-week marketing plan will help you. Two weeks of kind of generating awareness where you're just building consistent content um that relates to some of the triggers pain points all of that type of stuff that within your market so two weeks of that and then two weeks of really driving the um sales into the business off the back of that marketing with really strong calls to action and all of that so i would say always work in and around about four weeks in advance of what you're trying to get out of it depending on the numbers that you're aiming for so that would be my advice on that type of stuff um, they would have individual trackers, programs, check-ins, etc. Yeah, like the 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 program itself. Again, I'm, I'll come back to the simpler you can make it, the more beneficial it will be. I've done programs like this in the past where I threw the kitchen sink at them, and it, it shuts most people down. And I, I threw it and kept it really simple, and the group comes alive. So individual trackers, programs, and check-ins will be enough. Alongside, if you're going to put some supporting videos in the group. I think it sounds awesome. So it sounds like you've got the service and the product bang on. My advice would be to just have that four week lead time um, of two weeks generating awareness and two weeks attacking the calls to action. Anything you add? Um, no, in regards to delivery, <laughs> in regards to delivery, I'm smiling because I'm using your favorite word. Um, I would just map out a little bit of a, a timeline, similar to what we did last week when we went through kind of that onboarding series. Um, do a little bit of a timeline. And again, same advice as before. Start with the end goal in mind in regards to what you want that to give people. Work backwards and kind of think, right, what is the priority? What needs to come first um, in regards to that? Length of time for group intake of online coaching. Again, depends a little bit on the end goal. Like if it's more aggressive, it would obviously be shorter. 
Um, anywhere, I would say, is a ballpark figure between six and eight weeks. Six weeks probably being a bit, bit more of a sweeter spot in our experience. Um, but it does depend on the demographic you are wanting to serve in that group and also what you want that group to give people, essentially. Yeah, <clears throat> cool. But you've got all the right stuff in there in regards to trackers, programs, check-ins, weekly modules, form checks. Yeah, bit, bit of a timeline off the back of understanding what you want it to deliver. Um, a question from Nicole that she asked on the post this morning that I want to get in. Um, so based on the non-negotiables, how, how can I best approach this as someone who's never done one before? Never seen a welcome pack, right? And, okay. Yeah, so I don't want to be plucking ideas out of thin air, if that makes sense, without understanding what certain policies would usually be, or would it literally be based on you as an individual and what works for you? Right, okay, so I'll take the first part. So first of all, um, separate, separate the two things like we did last night in regards to non-negotiables for your operational standards and your, how you're gonna operate your business and those are largely dictated from you on what works best for you and your business and also consideration for your customers as well. Opening and closing times, what you're working, how you take payments, what your holiday policy is in regards to, right, am I going to factor me being away X amount of weeks over the six month period and factor that into the monthly cost? So we know none of that changes. Or if it's an online product, or we like I think Liam mentioned last night, charging for the whole service, we're putting a few things in place while I'm away, they're away. Happy days. Um, COVID policy, that is obviously a discussion um, that you might have in there about, you know, what would happen if I have to isolate and I can't I meet you face to face. This this is another contingency plan for that. So your operational bits, which is largely dictated by you, and the service part, which is again largely dictated by you in regards to what is the minimum dose for the maximum output, right? So minimum training frequency, minimum um my apologies. Oh, I couldn't man. hear what you said. Siri is... Even Siri thinks you're talking shit. Oh, shit, I can't mute you. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, the service side of things, what's going to deliver the results? So frequency, minimum term, um, your nutritional approaches, et cetera, et cetera. So largely dictated by you, but all around having operational boundaries that work for you and your client and also the service side of things, which you can deliver the results, if that makes sense. So go back to the slides, look at that kind of uh, grid we did when we had the non-negotiable, writing in what the client benefit is and then your benefit and wording it straight off the back of that. Um, hopefully that helps. Anything to add on that? Yeah, I think like... Honestly, like these two examples of the templates that are in the group, so base it off them. I think what Nick's just said, um, oh, that type of stuff gives them a rule of form of what happens, holidays, payments, all of that. And I think also, like, it does need to be a welcome to you, like who you are, your core kind of brand values and the values of yourself and stuff like that, what you stand for, why you've got into the industry. So a little bit about you, that stuff Nick's gone through. And then it very much, the rest of it very much depends on if you're going to do some videos for your clients as well. So like, um, because if you're not going to do videos, then you need to put a bit of an explanation and, and the nutrition principles and breaking that down, programming principles, breaking that down, um, some relevant links to the software that you're going to use. Um, stuff like that is obviously going to really, really help. 
but uh, and if you're a fairly new PT now, like and you've not got frequently asked questions, you can probably already you already kind of know what you're going to get asked quite a lot. Maybe come up with just some frequently asked questions, and that's about it for a welcome pack. Like I genuinely would. That's all I would say. So if you're not doing videos, I would include the program and nutrition elements. If you are doing videos, I'd remove them, and it'd be very much a bit about you. Frequently asked questions, operational and personal non-negotiables, and relevant links that they need. That's it genuinely um because the rest will come in the videos right whose question is it now how would you move a current client from a typical paper session to a more holistic hybrid service i've got a long time client not really in my target market on this kind of thing but would prefer a monthly rolling charge rather than paper session feel i can provide much more service much better service this way um first of all create the opportunity to have that conversation you can't just kind of change it without them understanding why and the benefit to them so first of all that's where things like the check-ins come into play the monthly reviews come into play that gives the opportunity to have that coaching based conversation with them within that it's very much aligning from a from a first point uh to go to is very much aligning like what their goal how they feel they've progressed, what their challenges and barriers are now moving forward. And from that conversation, you're starting to kind of build out what you can do to help them, whether it's nutrition, whether it's accountability, whether it's motivation, whether it's um, more convenient training, whatever it is. Um, and then articulate that in the, in the overall price for the month. And I think, I mean, to change how you take payments from a paper session to a monthly charge is very, very dead straightforward and simple. But if you're looking to build the service out to providing with a better service overall, which you said there, that's where I would start. Um, and then just articulate that in a very open and honest way. You know, I move my business to more, to more online, the back office stuff more online. So this means I'm taking recurrent payments. I'm not doing paper session anymore. And that's all so I can free up time to double down on supporting you more and giving you a better service overall, which is going to get you to where you want to be. So that that's where I'd start going forward, mate. Anything to add? Nope. Two questions. Uh, la, la, la. If you got to the consultation stage with someone and you start to realise that they aren't a good match for you, how would you recommend explaining to that to them without knocking their confidence, given that this has probably taken quite a lot to ask for help in the first place? I'm guessing this is where having a good network helps so you can refer out to people. That's question one. Do you want to go for that one first? Hmm. It's a difficult one, this, because the my head says to tell, say to you, just have a really honest conversation with them and just go, listen, these are the people I normally work with. These are the reasons why. Um, and I feel like potentially I might not be the best person positioned for you. And now, therefore, I'll help you search out another like really good PT of someone I don't know, or we'll search for them together and we'll go for a bit of an on, like I'll sit down with the PT about what we found and, and blend them into the business. And that'd be a really good way of going about things. And another side to me says, like, is there an, a product within your business that this person, you could still help this person with? So could you still help them with, I don't know, online, when the gym's open, small group, whatever it is, is there another product in the business? And then if that's a no, if that, if that is a point blank, no, but the, then the only option is, and you're really strong on this, the only option is, is to refer out. Um, so yeah, it very much, it, it's really hard for me to say without more context um, of how away from the mark that they are from being the demographic that you want. And bear in mind, let me just give a bit of a brief overview to this. For anyone who's listening on the podcast, obviously the guys, we work with the guys on narrowing down their market, who they're marketing to, not necessarily who they train. So 
don't think it's something that we tell them if they're not in the demographic, then they need to push them out. It's absolutely not. It's the guys realizing themselves, this is probably not the best person for me for whatever reason. Um, so yeah, um, and I think, again, I, it's difficult with no context because I think the third point is, is it worth maybe bringing them into the business and seeing how that goes? But being really honest with them at the start, having a really honest conversation, just go listen, cards on the table. This is who I would normally work with for these reasons only. But let's get it going and we'll review it quite frequently. Maybe we do where we do the weekly check in, we'll actually sit down and have a chat and keep the communication there because it might actually make you grow as a PT as well. So I know I've given free answers, which is really sat on the fence, which is not like me in the, in the slightest, but I probably, probably could just do with a little bit more context, which I'll touch base with you individually anyway. Question two, what are your thoughts on physical assessments for people whose goal is just fat loss? I do them, but sometimes it feels a bit off looking at someone's shoulder mobility, for example, when their goal isn't performance related. Um, I think everyone has to have a starting point regardless of their goal. So when it comes to programming, we need to do a movement assessment for everyone, in my opinion anyway. That movement assessment would be um, adapted in my opinion, for the, the individual that you've got in front of you. So you'd find out their background, what they, if they've never had, if, if you've done certain elements of testing on the shoulder, like they have to really, you have to have a really laser focus on that. Probably not. My, my testing for probably someone who wants fat loss will be looking at what are the general rules of thumb as what's the objective? Well, obviously fat loss is the goal. So the byproducts of that is then looking into the programming that's going to enable that alongside, obviously them being in a deficit, them being really active, so the main, it's, although it's not the main component that's like 100% necessary, it's still, for me, it's still important. So I would look at the main components of the program and go, right, I'm going to do a testing for a hinge, testing for a lower body, testing for how they are from a balance and agility perspective from unilateral work. Um, and basically all the, the main movement patterns within your program, I would come up with some testing that's relevant to the client is what I'm getting at. Um, yeah, I wouldn't overcomplicate it. I wouldn't go into huge detail if I don't need to, but I still would have it in there. Nick? Yeah, 100%, absolutely, because what you generally find with people is that as they start to enjoy exercise more, as they start to feel fitter, as they go along that kind of journey, is that those markers are so important, even if you don't use them in the first couple of months to give feedback, they're so important going forward because an ideal scenario wouldn't would, would be to get people obviously not focusing as much on like scale weight and measurements and more on kind of how they feel, how they're performing. Having those markers to go off from the beginning so you can see that kind of progression is massive. Um, so it's all about, I guess, giving them what they want, but wrapping it in what they need and maybe keeping that in the background because we can do very simple stuff and assessments that actually doesn't need to be right in front of their face and hyper-focused on, but it's for us to understand and help us program and give feedback later down the line, maybe. So yeah, hundred percent. Okay. Would you do a separate welcome pack for new pre and postnatal clients, or would you have a guide to pre and postnatal exercise and nutrition already built into a general welcome pack or onboarding series? All of the above. Um, I would, so I probably, I'd probably have a slightly different, I'd probably have a generic welcome pack if I have someone who's not pre or postnatal to come into my business. I would definitely have very, very similar, but maybe just a couple of those, you know, get started points would be based around making them feel comfortable, you know, maybe video in the welcome pack, making them feel comfortable about, um, some common misconceptions about training pre and postnatal, et cetera. So it's a bit more targeted. Um, and then a hundred percent, I'd have a whole onboarding series for that. Absolutely. Um, just drip feeding through that information, making them feel comfortable, giving them contraindications and, and whatnot. Um, so, yeah, I think it would be a great, do you have to know, but I think it would be an unbelievable, um, service to deliver for pe for those people 100 percent agree 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 um 
Would you do a separate welcome pack? Oh no, sorry. Sorry, that's double. Um, what's the best online platform you have used so far? I use Google Sheets, but I feel an app would be better. Best online platform I have used is TrueCoach. Um, yes, for a few different reasons. Although, so I've used, I've only actually solidly used my PT Hub and TrueCoach. Um, and the only reason TrueCoach is better for me is because the program is easier. True Coach, uh, sorry, my PTO had a lot of other features that were really good, um, but True Coach, the programming was better, and you can do a lot, a lot more with True Coach these days. Um, anyway, so it has developed really good. Um, what I would say is, Nick's, I think Nick says this quite a lot: is write down what you feel like you need it for. So, is it programming, scheduling, payments, um, compliance for clients, and stuff like that. So write down what you feel like you need it for and then go out and do the trials of all the different ones because they all have trials like True Coach, MyPTO, Trainerize, PT Distinction are probably the main four that I see PTs using. Um, I've heard great things about PT Distinction recently. Um, I think the thing with that is the more clients you get, the more expensive it gets. Same as True Coach. I hear great things about Trainerize. I hear mixed things about MyPTO, but I always hear good things about True Coach. So that would be my feedback. I'm sat on the fence a lot today. I don't like who I am in this podcast and live question and answer thing. Uh, just got a follow-up from John. What would you say are the key questions to ask your clients each session slash week to ensure you are best serving them and also give you the info required to see if they are making progress? So firstly, John, 100% make sure that you are fully aligned with how they're measuring their progress. That's the first thing. Um, secondly, I would, it's those open kind of questions, but open slash leading questions, right? Which it's almost like, Having some, first of all, you've got to deliver great feedback up from this kind of weekly kind of question checking slash checking. Because if you don't give great feedback that they can use and apply in the following week, then that value of them checking in and answering those questions is going to start to diminish over time. So that's the, that's the second thing. What type of questions? Um, Similar to the ones we, I guess, similar to the ones we use with you guys, you know, what, what has been your biggest, biggest wins for the week um, and biggest challenges? Um, I, I really feel like a, um, a, a scale rating works really well for people because you can ask someone, oh, how's your week gone? Yeah, it's been all right. Or well, how are you going to use that information? So I think if you can kind of get a scale rating with, that are helping them kind of rate their week on a specific element of the program. And obviously that would probably change as they progress. So maybe when the new client comes in, if their focus is on tracking and self-awareness, you know, on a scale of one to five, one being I've had an absolute nightmare, I'm really struggling with it. Five being I've absolutely nailed what we put in place. Three being, I've had a 50-50 week. These are my challenges again. Then you you can see and they can kind of rate that, and you can both be on the same page and move forward. And um, I guess give really decent feedback because ultimately your feedback will come off how they, what information they give you and how you can use it. So that that's hopefully that's that's answer you. Anything else on that? Answer your question, mate. No, all good. Hope that helped, John. Have people inquiring about my business but not converting them? Any tips? Oh, um, right. Let's look at this. Okay, firstly, I would say look at your onboarding phases. 
That's the first thing. How easy is it for people to go to the next stage once the, once they have inquired? Um, is it are there too many steps in there? Is it easy for them? Um, is it convenient? Do they have a full understanding of what they're inquiring to? Um, those are the questions I would ask myself and kind of do a little bit of a short audit. If they're coming into a consultation and uh, you're not converting them, first of all, the first thing I'd say before I go into the consultation thing is how many people has that been? Are you having a hyper focus on one or two or three people that haven't converted and um, understandably having a bit of a panic about that. That's the first thing I'd kind of have some perspective on. Um, and when it goes into the consultations, there's a few things here that I'll kind of roll off and I'll let Anne fill in any gaps. First of all, think about how your pre-consult is set up, right? And that's the kind of flow that you want to start to use and dig into in the consultation. So past, present, future of the client. Um, maybe starting with that, starting with the future in regards to what their goals are, why is it important to them? Um, what specifics can you kind of dig out from that? Which leads you nicely on to, right, understanding their expectations, looking to the future, reverse engineering that back and kind of going right between today and, and where you're going. First of all, what support do you feel you need? Secondly, what are the biggest challenges you perceive or have happened in the past or currently that will stop you achieving that goal? And off the back of that, have that really open conversation about building out the, the, the levels of support that that client wants, um, which will ultimately end up in you positioning the right, the right product and the right service at the end of the consult. I know it's been quick and quite a big overview, but hopefully that's helped. Anything I missed? No, I just, it just very much depends on the, it depends on the, how quick the transition was to the, to the consultation to be able to sell. If it was fairly quick, that's the reason why you probably come up against barriers. Um, if it wasn't quick, then it's, I would audit the questions that I'm asking because the questions will normally frame the, the sale to become quite easy um, in the end. So we're going to do quite a bit of work on this. This is next week's stuff that we're going to do and deliver. Um, so hopefully by the time of next week, you'll be fine. But obviously taking into account what Nick's just said. In terms of your target market, would you say 20 to 35 year old male and females who are generally either looking to build muscle or lose fat and tone is specific enough, trying to make it a group I can more relate to and going off insight survey feedback? Um, he's definitely more specific than the most. Um, What I would say is that males and females have completely different buying behaviors, uh, decision-making habits and why they, yeah, why they would buy in the first place. And they'll have different triggers and different pain points. Yes, the male who wants to look aesthetically better, get stronger, all of that type of stuff, doesn't feel great about himself, feels probably insecure, self-conscious and all of that. That's the same with a female. But... Um, the way I would talk to them would be the way I would talk to them would be completely different online. Um, so what I would say is for the for the from a marketing perspective, you're gonna have to sit fairly neutral to appeal to both, um, which isn't a bad thing. It just makes it harder to really hit home your message. That's all I'm saying. Doesn't mean to say you can't do it, you absolutely can just makes it more difficult to hit home. So you have to be relentless. You have to be consistent. Um, you have to make sure that you're hitting constant pain points and triggers of both demographics, all of that type of stuff. So I would have them types of things in mind if you're going to try and appeal to both males and females. Clearly, many coaches have built successful businesses like bringing males and females into the business, like a, a million percent they have. But normally, them people who have done that have been unbelievably consistent online. Um, so you'll have to be the same. You'll have to be the same. And when, when I say be consistent, it's being consistent by me with quality content that hits the mark for both demographics. So yes. And 
kind of know as well. Anything you'd add? Nope. Did you put breaks between challenges? And if so, how long? Question depends on the demand. Um, I think, yeah, it definitely depends on the level of engagement and demand that you've got via socials, gym members, etc. So you could say you could run back to back challenges if you've got people constantly wanting and, and needing those those challenges to support them. Um, if you're so if you've got a, a larger audience or a, a largely engaged audience and you know you're getting 10 to 20 to 30 people on those challenges and you and you're constantly doing that marketing campaign to consist, consistently get that message out there based on it then doing them more frequently over the year is going to be is going to be um, meeting the demand where it's at if this is something you've just started to do i think and feel um you know based on how long your campaign is running whether that's a four weeks six weeks um that that kind of time period is is decent enough um so it's a bit of an open question but and it's a bit of an open answer as well it largely depends on where you are with your business it largely depends on the demand that you've got from your audience um and what you want from your business as well like how many what is the time you've got to put into challenges to convert people into your business, et cetera. So well, that's not a great straight answer, but there's a lot of factors that kind of come into this, but <sighs> I would say as a general rule, and this is general, looking at doing a campaign every kind of six to 12 weeks will probably be a good marker, but then there's lots of factors that I mentioned that will go into that as well. Um, so yeah, anything to add on that? It's a bit of a difficult one to... Yeah, it is a difficult one um, because it's like varying things that you need to consider um, throughout this. Um, like... Another thing that you might need to consider is the fact that how much build-up do you need? So obviously if you're putting on a six-week challenge, you probably need two to four weeks build-up from a marketing perspective um, as well. So that is a month or like organic, like just is a month gap in between anyway. Um, so yeah, it very, very much depends on what outcomes that you want from doing them. Um, but yeah, as a rule of thumb, like you might, if you want to go back to back, in theory, if you're going back to back, you've got a four week gap anyway, if you're going to run your marketing campaign successfully. <clears throat> so you'll always have a four week gap. If that's enough for you, um, then that's cool. If not, stretch it out a little bit and maybe just do one challenge a quarter and just run four a year. I think that's a wise move if I'm dead honest. Yeah. <clears throat> What's the difference between one-to-one -one and hybrid coaching? Shouldn't one-to-one -one be hybrid anyway? Yes. <laughs> yeah, it should, um, in a sense of, um, so hybrid coaching is essentially that um, you only see the client probably once a month. So you do a face-to-face -face session, whether that be going through new movements, new, new parts of the program, sitting down, going through a bit of a monthly review, you only see them for once a month and the rest of the time they're online. Um, whereas one-to-one -one coaching is you'll probably see them once or twice per week. So one-to-one -one coaching is more frequently. You see them hybrid is you check in with them at least and see them face-to-face -face at least once a month, okay? And then obviously you've got online where you don't see them at all. The reason why they're different products is because some people, especially if you work in a commercial gym, that the hybrid model will really appeal to, to, to them. Normally it's an organic route for your business. So if I've coached Nick on two sessions a week for three months, he's done really, really well. He's doing all the stuff that he should be doing outside of the sessions and the distance coaching. We reduce that down to one for three months, see how that goes. Then we reduce it down to hybrid and then we move him online. So it's like a client journey through the business. But you're right, the, the, the hybrid side of the business is where a lot of PTs go wrong. They normally just exchange time for money and don't support the client away from them a hell of a lot. Um, but yeah, hybrid is a model where you see them face to face for once a month or twice. It's up to what they need.
Second part of the question, do you guys ever deal with imposter syndrome? And if so, how did you overcome it? Of course we do. I think like, yeah, like there's been lots of that. I think as you, you know, as you progress through your career, you'll always be challenged in, oh shit, do I know enough for this? Or shall I put this out because I'm not too sure about this? Or am I surrounded by people who um, maybe better than me in these topics? You're always probably going to have that at every layer as you progress through, the, through your career, whether it's you progress as a coach, you then move online, you, you get in your own studio, you a facility, you go into a manager role, you go in, whatever it is that you do, there'll always be an initial part for the majority of people where there's an element of, of imposter syndrome, um, definitely. And I think that's accelerated more so and focused on because we're in a social media world where you feel that your content's being judged all the time when it's really, really not. Like it's really not like, um, from my experience, like people want to see you do well, like especially self-employed people. So if you're putting content out there um, and it's that that you feel a little bit of um, an imposter syndrome about right now, the, 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 the more, sorry, the less that you'll feel that you'll have imposter syndrome is the more content that you'll put out. So it's like anything, the only way you're going to feel more comfortable in being out of your comfort zone is to be out of it as much as you possibly can. And I think when you say like, how did you overcome it? It's difficult for me to say because the way I deal with it would be different way to way Nick deals with it and so on. But like, I think as a general rule of thumb, the advice I would give is that you should chase discomfort as much as you possibly can within the industry. Like, and if you get a negative comment, if you get some negative feedback, be, be really happy with that. Be really okay with actually I'm cool with that because it's going to help me grow. I can sit back. I can critically, critically think about it. I can rationalize what I go, how I, how I make a decision next. And actually it's going to make me improve in one way or another. So yeah, I think that's the way I would deal with it. It's just embracing and chasing a bit of discomfort because it's good for you. Um, and things will get better over time. The more you do them, whether that's videos, whether that's content, whether that's a new project, you'll always, I would encourage you to feel like you're in the deep end the majority of the time. Anything you'd add? No, I'd agree with all that. I think doubling down and be hyper-focused on what you want to achieve from your business will help that a lot because your eyes won't be distracted by the noise around you a lot of the time. And I think it's very easy to kind of, because the fitness industry is so loud on social and when we're surrounded by other people in the same position as us, we've got physical markers to judge ourselves against almost and perception is reality. So perception is, you know, you looking at someone's social media, you looking at someone on the gym floor or you talking to someone or being on a webinar with someone and whatnot and that comparison is real. Um, but I think we're doubling down and having a really good focus and, and actually constantly referring to what you want to achieve in your business just helps. It doesn't solve, but it helps. Um, and just being, I think, just accepting that actually you not being the best person, the smartest person in the room, that's the way it should be. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room, as the saying goes. So I think, yeah, I think just doubling down on that, doubling down on what you want to achieve out of your business is going to be the right thing and not comparing. Because uh, honestly, a lot of the stuff that you might perceive on social media is absolute shite, it's absolute bullshit. So yeah, double down on that, mate. Ideas for what to put on stories would be great. So some ideas for what to put on stories. And just to say that this person who asked this question has absolutely had a flyer this week with their leads by the look of it. So well done. But go on. Ideas for stories, Nicholas. Okay, so I'll give you my take on stories. I think stories are, I mean, look, they're quick. Um, they're designed to be quick. So you've got to grab people's attention. Um, I think stories are a great, a, a great, a great way of 
kind of building up a little bit of curiosity to the information or evergreen style of posts that you're about to put out to help people. So gaining curiosity and a little bit of kind of excitement about what's to come, this thing that you're going to post about, which is going to help your audience. I think stories are also a great way of just giving really small, short, sharp snippets of you and your personality. Um, again, or and, and what content to put out, that 100% goes back to who you're talking to. Um, I think sharing, obviously sharing stuff and quick snip, quick snippets of uh, engagement-based posts, um, maybe even quick snippets about you, your personality, your lifestyle, et cetera, et cetera. All of that kind of encompasses around that know, like, and trust. Um, I think that's where stories comes in personally. Yeah, the only thing I'd add to this is that it's really easy, especially off the back of the last two questions, it's really easy to, to, to look at what everyone else is doing and feel like you need to do the same. Um, and like you clear that clearly isn't and doesn't have to be the case. Like I think where a lot of people go wrong and compare and think, Oh, I should be doing that. Or I should be doing this more. We all could be doing more. Right. But all of this is a complete process. And sometimes you've got to have a look at a, you've got to have a look at how far you've come and just give yourself a bit of a pat on the back for doing that. Um, and B, you have to sit down and go, right, what is my primary goal? What's the outcome that I want? Like Nick said before on the previous question, if I know and I'm completely aligned with my goal, I don't really have to worry about what everyone else is doing. Um, and if I haven't got time for stories, so this is, I know this person's mad, mad busy um, currently. If I haven't got time for stories, it's absolutely not the end of the world. Like it really isn't. As long as I'm showing up a little bit on, on social media and being as consistent as I possibly can that fits into my life and I'm getting the odd lead or two and this one's got a hell of a lot this week this person and uh, then I'm doing the right things okay so all I would say is don't worry too much that you've got to put loads of different um stories up there and all of that type of stuff and yeah I, I would just say embrace the process of all of this um and if yeah don't get me wrong if there's a lack of leads coming in we can start to have a look about at, at diversifying where you're delivering your content to and being really smarter with where you're delivering your content to your time for the, for the return of that and all of that type of stuff. But right now it looks so like you're doing really, really well. Um, all I would say is a, a really quick, easy fix with your, with your stories is that once you've got a post that you're going to put out, I think this person's going to put like a habit challenge out soon, is start all you, you would do on, the, on your stories, you just start to talk about what that is, who it's for, and why it's there and that's enough because you know it's going to be landing in the right place is all i would add to that and the final question of today is this my one no yes i'm currently building my pricing and package options uh would you recommend charging the program separately to the session rate or should clients get everything including nutrition support for that fee um, we're going to touch on this on Thursday's webinar, so you'll be a lot clearer um, on this, but I'll help you out now. So um, essentially, you programming people is a chargeable service. You think of online coaching, you don't see someone, you program them, you, they, that's one of the main charges within that service. So absolutely, you should be, you should be charging for that. So what you'll find is if I'm working with people, if, if Nick's my client and I'm working with Nick face-to-face, Nick gets charged for my coaching time, the programs he has off the back of the sessions that he does on his own, um, the support he gets from a weekly check-in and the feedback he gets, the monthly review, the nutrition support, the Facebook group, um, because there's lots of education in there that's going to help Nick. So he will be charged independently for all of them, right? And that will make up the service that he pays per month on a reoccurring payment. Now, so a rule of thumb of this is, let's say, for example, you're coaching and um, time is £30 an hour, which is the average across the UK, then you would look at putting an admin time in there for what you do, your programming, whatever you charge. That. A lot of people put like, say, 50% of what their coaching time is. So £15, £10 an hour, where they sit down and do their programs every month, and that starts to build out the chargeable service and therefore the price behind that. 
Hopefully that helps, but if that didn't help, we'll go into more context on it on Thursday. And if people who are listening to the podcast want to understand that a little bit more, I've got plenty of posts on my Instagram that you can go through to find that stuff. Or you can just ask us a question to go into more context. Is that us? Have we completed? Is there any more in the group? Uh, nope. Happy days. Long, long slogs these, aren't they, at the moment, in a minute? But they're worth it. Good questions. Yet again, brilliant, brilliant questions. Um, all right. Any final thoughts, Nick, for the people? For the people? People. Uh, no. All right. Yeah. In, reach out. Yeah. If you need anything, reach out to us on the gram. Yeah. Did I just say on the gram? On that, note, just... I'm not that, <laughs> on that note, I'm going to leave this. See you all in a bit. See you guys.